The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, and welcome to our national conversation about conversations about race, the weekly podcast where we discuss the ways we can't talk, don't talk, would rather not talk, but intermittently, fitfully, embarrassingly do talk about culture, identity, politics, power, and privilege in our pre-post-yet-still-very-racial America. You could say all that or, yeah, just call the show About Race. I'm Anna Holmes, and I'm joining remotely from L.A. this week, where I am delighted to also have Baratunde Thurston. Hey, What's hey, up, hey. Baratunde? What's, What's up, up, Anna? And we flew out on the same plane. Yes, People we did. Yes, we did. How was your flight, by the way? Uh, the same as yours. Yeah. It was good. I was okay. two rows behind you to the left. But like, you never know what like happens two rows behind. It could be like there must be <laughs> someone farting. There could have been a baby. Oh, that's true. That's know. true. Yeah. Uh, no, it was all good. It was just like clouds out the window. Yeah. And, uh, you know, electricity from yeah. the chairs. I used to charge my phone. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. Wi-Fi. Uh, I did not use the Wi-Fi. Oh, you weren't working. That is not. Oh, wait. I did. No, no, no. First of all, I did use the Wi Fi. Okay. Another, I've been flying a lot, so I'm a little confused. Yeah. yeah. But I actually sent a Slack to this group from the Wi Fi. That's right. You Wi-Fi. did. About me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Baratune and I are on the left coast, the best coast. Uh, and in the Panoply Studios that. in New York. <laughs> Fighting doubt words. That. Yes. We, we have Raquel Cepeda. Hi. What, what? Hello, Gemini. What, what, Gemini? <laughs> Tanner. Hi. Hi, Anna. <laughs> um, wait, cool. Tan- yeah, by the Tan- way, what's your- the right mm-hmm. coast is the, oh, the. Are we in the right coast? Yeah, what's, New York. What's, has, what's yeah. my what's my what? The East Coast is the right coast. What's your what's your um astrological sign? I am an Aries. Really that explains everything. <laughs> no, I never would have pegged you as an Aries. Does it? I thought you were a Taurus. <laughs> hmm. I actually don't know anything about Aries. I was totally. But it just sounds I nice to say like, it. that explains everything. Okay, so this week. This week, uh, we move into our next segment talking about America's direction. And let's start by talking about race. We have a situation where we have uh, our inner cities, African-Americans, Hispanics are living in hell because it's so dangerous. You walk down the street, you get shot in Chicago. They've had thousands of shootings, thousands since January 1st. I've heard Donald say this um, at his rallies, and it's it's really unfortunate that he paints such a dire negative picture of black communities in our country. So is everyone feeling as kind of irritated, frustrated, angered by some of the comments that came out of the debate as I am? Uh, That's pretty Um, much what I expected. I stopped taking notes after... (laughs) I have notes about every section except for the race section because it was so fucking incredible. It was so it was so ill-informed and so racist that it was almost delicious. Uh, can, here, you, can you yeah. can you elaborate like 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 what what was your thought? Okay, well, first I'll say what my thought was. My thought was that they didn't answer the question that was being posed to them. Really, how are so, they going to heal race, racial strife, racial right, division? Right. right. Yes, they, they 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 pivoted off to the you know you walk down the street you get shot. But but sorry, Raquel, go ahead. Going back to what Tyler was saying in the B side, it's like they get so offended. The right, if you say anything that paints them as a monolith, and now he's saying if you're in a Latino or African American neighborhood, you're going to get shot. Oh my God, that was just so fun. I just never thought in my lifetime I would hear that on a presidential debate. 
It was almost as if, I mean, most people that I heard talk about the debate afterward, I know somebody that was actually hosting a screening at the Apollo. People were just sitting there like, what? It's almost like you run out of things to say. It's just simply not true. Tanner? My reaction was, you know, and you spend a lot of time in the racial justice space and you hear the constant refrain, it is not black people's responsibility to dismantle white privilege and white supremacy. White people have to do the work of dismantling white privilege and white supremacy on their own. And I always find that laughable because I've been in many spaces in rooms where there's nothing but white people talking about race. And this was a perfect example of if you ask two white people to discuss meaningfully race, this is what you get. This is, Wait, I mean, what? what is what you get? This, what? this just, and you know, they're going to get shot in African American neighborhood. No, and in, it's incompetence and rambling and not quite getting it. And well, I mean, Trump was deplorable. Hillary was, a, we can, we I could talk a little bit more about what I thought she did, but white people are not equipped the same way we talked about last week about the journalists. You know, Jamel Bowie was like, why aren't these white journalists digging into this better or taking this more seriously? And it's because they don't have the toolkit to understand it or grapple with it in, in any kind of meaningful way. And that's not to excuse them. It's just to say that they don't. What I think what happened with, with Trump was, was just he just did what we know he does, which is that he thinks black people live in total depravity and hell. And that's his only understanding of their existence. And so that's what he talks about. And he uses his people gave him this law and order talking point to run with. And that's all he knows is that black people live like garbage and we have to police them. That's the extent of his understanding. Two things with Hillary. One, you have to understand what her audience is at this point, which is a it's mostly and again, not to cater to white people, but she's going after mostly that sliver of undecided white voters who college-educated Republicans and Republican women and moderate independent women and college graduates who can still be talked into believing that Trump is too deplorable and unfit for the office. To the extent that there are any people of color left undecided at this point, it's the young black millennial contingent that is not on board with her. And what is their primary talking point and their thrust of Black Lives Matter and everything else is criminal justice. So if she's got two minutes to go into what she's going to try and woo those younger black people, she's going to go to criminal justice. I think I think it was reductive given the amount of time. I think we should have a whole 90-minute debate about race. But if I'm Hillary Clinton and I want those young black people, I want them to know that I understand them and hear them on these criminal justice issues. That's number one. I think number two is, and other people have said this, Hillary's a great policy wonk. She, I think she's a very empathetic and understanding person in person. She does not perform empathy very well on the stage the way that her husband does brilliantly. Mm -hmm. And Bill Clinton was brilliant at making people of color understand that he felt their pain on the policy point of view. He kind of let things drop a little bit. And I think Hillary, we saw this with the architect when she talked about the architect who'd been screwed over by Trump. Her husband or Barack or Joe Biden would have spun that into a beautiful. She didn't. I don't think she even mentioned the architect's name who that Trump hadn't paid. She didn't like weave it into an emotional narrative. She just the way that another another politician who's better on the stump or a would politician have. speechwriter. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I don't think she's not going to give black people the I feel your pain emotional connection that you want. But does she get it on a policy level? I think she does. And that's why I think in this debate, it didn't come across for her. No, no, she, it didn't land for her, but I understand what she was trying to do and what her limitations as a politician kept her from doing. You don't think she was more personal this time? I think she was, but not necessarily on that issue. And she's she's right. she's personal when she's making herself more relatable in these settings than she does when she's in the big stump speeches. But uh, and this is a point that was made on the political gab fest. Translating policy detail into emotional storytelling 
is not she's not as good as other as other more practiced politicians. And so on that note, she does the best she can, but she didn't quite like you say, she didn't make you feel that she understood the problems of people of color. But does does she intellectually understand on a policy level? Yeah, I think she does. So how much how much does Lester Holt I mean, how much blame if you want to assign blame does he or should he take on perhaps because he didn't really press either of them on the fact that they basically evaded his question and, and pivoted to other things. I mean, nor, nor did he ask them to, from what I can recall, elaborate on some of the charges, especially Trump, that he was making. Do you think that he held back in, too much in general? Do you think that perhaps he held back on that particular issue because he is African-American? Yeah, I think uh, some of the biggest takeaways. So short on Lester Holt, he did all right. There's like a verb that's part of his title moderator which is to moderate mm-hmm. and he did not do that on several key occasions and at this point i don't find many uh excuses for not being aggressive with donald trump like this is a known bully mm-hmm. this is a guy mm-hmm. who doesn't respect time doesn't respect other people only respects himself exclusively and so you got to go in there in battle mode and you got to shut him up and you got to enforce some rules of the game you, you're a referee this is a fight and you don't let the other fighter constantly punch when the other person's getting their mouth guard washed out and getting their lips stitched up, you back them into their corner. You say, shut the fuck up. And so he, you don't be genteel and nice with Donald Trump at this point because we see how he, he works the room and the floor. One of the biggest problems, you know, when, right when the debate started, I tweeted this statement out and it still feels very true to me. That Trump is even on this stage is a disappointment and an embarrassment to the United States. Yeah. Yes. We have to keep remembering that he's not one of us that he's not normal, that he's not a Republican, he's not a Democrat, he's not a politician, he's not a public servant. He's just himself. He's a self-servant. And we keep coming back to that. Everything else follows and explains itself a bit better. So on race, of course he has a terrible answer. He sees blacks and Latinos as simply as he sees women. Women are sex toys and sex objects to him. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all he's ever seen them as. His own daughter included. Braggingly, including his daughter, including a one-year-old version of his daughter, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Including on a 12-year-old of the rich and, Really? And, and, on Lifestyles, on, let me just Wait, finish this. Okay, on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, he was interviewed with Marla Maples and Robin Leach asked them, uh, what does their daughter, Tiffany, take from each of the parents? And Marla was like, oh, I don't know, ask Donald. And Donald's like, well, she clearly gets her legs from Marla. Oh about a one-year-old baby girl and he says it remains to be seen if she gets these from her and he gestures in the air where breasts would be that's who we're dealing with we're dealing with a sick person we're dealing with a self-servant so yeah of course he has a shitty answer on race he has a shitty answer on everything he doesn't know anything and he's proud of it he knows how to channel emotion and he's super talented at it and he knows how to protect himself which is the only reason he's been here he's mediocre but he's so good at being mediocre he's amazing so the debate i thought hillary performed as best I've seen her in a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think her invocation of Alicia Machado as a closer was brilliant. And we're still seeing the reverberations of that conversation. She baited him better than anyone I've seen in a long time yeah. from yeah. implying that he didn't pay taxes and getting him to admit and be proud of that and say, cause I'm smart. So the rest of us are idiots for paying for the troops and paying for bridges. Thanks a lot, Hillary. Like, I think she did the country a great service. I think she did herself one of the best services she's done as the political side as opposed to the policy side of, of feeling people. And, and lastly, when she, the way she talked about her own father and she really reminded people of like where she's from, like Trump gets $14 million from his dad. Her father made drapes. 
Trump doesn't pay his people, she's glad that her father didn't work for Trump. That was a really well-woven tale. And we all do not like the idea of our parents getting taken advantage of by unscrupulous, shady, shitty people. Donald Trump is the guy that fucked over your mother, fucked over your father, Mm -hmm. and he's not going to fuck over America. I think she drove that point home very well. Yeah, that that was her point. No, go Sorry, ahead. go ahead, Rachel. Go ahead. No, no, I was just agreeing with Baratunde. That was the most personal moment for me. I mean, when she started talking yeah. about her grandchild and he started talking about his kid having like a million computers and all that shit. It was like, <laughs> it was falling flat. It just like, just didn't feel like it was even organic. He doesn't talk well about his sons. He only talks well about his daughters because he's sexually attracted to them. Like he just should not talk about his son anymore. You know, I had a feeling that Mark Cuban was coaching her or wrote something or wrote some of those zingers. What do you guys think? Really? She, I feel like I, I feel like one of the things I read is that she actually consulted with a team of psychologists about how to get under good. his skin and what really? yeah. what baits him, what he responds to, what yeah, the the Alicia Machado thing was brilliant. I think Lester Holt won. No one's ever dealt with Trump in a one-on-one debate. These big Republic these right. big primary Republican debates weren't even debates, they were just like spectacles. I even grade him on a curve cuz he was like dealing with something that no journalist in American history has had to deal with, which is what is this thing going to be going to be <laughs> Two, yeah, he let Trump bully all over the stage and the time allocation, and everything else. But really he, that there's a, just almost like a rope a dope strategy and that the more Trump talked, the more he dug his own grave. So agreed. Uh, agreed. I were you surprised? Right, right on that. Were you guys surprised that so many people gave him favorable reviews? I thought I was like, Holt? yeah, Lester I thought Holt? he who, left. Who's, who? Oh, basically, like, I, I read online other, you know, other, you know, media like, folk anchors saying that oh. he did. Oh, he did a great job. He did. I mean, people, you know, CNN the next morning, that's night after after the debates, the post debate talks. I saw people like praising Lester Holt and I thought he kind of I don't think they should have given him the, that first. Um, oh, the gig okay. as moderator. I felt like I thought that you were talking yeah. about Trump, that the people were yeah. praising Trump's oh, performance. Well, everybody no. on Drudge thought Trump did great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and everybody in IHateBlackPeople.net right. really thought he killed it. Weirdly, uh, I think the, the broadcast influences a lot of because I watched on C-SPAN where they, they never cut to Lester Holt. They just showed the two candidates side by side and you heard Lester Holt. So I didn't really think about Lester Holt's performance one way or the other because I was just watching the two candidates. Did he do, I don't know if he did a good job or not, but... Hillary won. Here's one other. Hey, wait, Tanner, hold on. This this is AC. I want to follow up on that real quick. Yeah. Isn't the sign that you didn't notice Lester Holt's presence at all (laughs) kind of a bad sign that he's like fulfilling the job that Baratunde was talking about before? Or or was it by dip? Because then I watched some later clips from Network and they kept cutting to Lester Holt (laughs) and then I was more aware of him. So... I don't know. Maybe so. I yeah. But he did. You know, he called him out on on the Iraq war. He's like, no, the record shows otherwise. He called him out on a few things, but then you know, Trump would just come right back and steamroll over him. And that steamrolling, I think there is a defense against that. And I think we, it's true that no one's moderated a one-on-one Trump debate, but we had like a lot of moments from Megyn Kelly, you know, in the very beginning. To I think it was actually a Fox debate where they showed clips and then made the candidates answer for that. And all the questions are prepared. So if you're going to claim that Donald Trump supported the war, you can have that ready. Have a big screen. Show the text. Hillary's team did it. They had rapid response, and they, it was like hashtag literally Trump, and they would have screen grabs of the transcript with him and, and Howard Stern talking about how he basically supported the war early on. But I, I don't think as a media operation... 
you don't have an excuse to not be prepared for a serial liar. And the way, one of the ways you can confront that is to not, and just let them lie and hope people receiving it who are not as obsessed with information verification as you are realize that this is bullshit. The other is to do the job closer to real time and have a big ass truth screen up there and be like, actually stop and frisk is unconstitutional. That's what courts do. They determine the constitutionality of laws. That's like the one job <laughs> when it comes down to it for like the court system in this country. So for Lester to say that and Trump said, no, 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 that's not true. Pause. Listen up. This is how this works. Or this is what you said. Let's go to the big board. Let's do this. You want to play this game? We will play this game, Donald mm-hmm. Trump. But yeah. we have more resources than you. We will fuck your shit up. Like <laughs> the time for for pretending that the shit is normal is over. So I don't it's not just about Lester's personality. I think he did all right. But I think the organizational structure around challenging a serial liar, we are beyond excuse making time yeah. for not being prepared for Trump to deny obvious shit yeah. that is provably false yeah. they should have also had... just also just letting him continue to talk sometimes mm-hmm. like i i think that's one thing that's been very frustrating for me it was frustrating during that debate and, and other i guess public events that he's that he's been questioned or where he's been questioned has been journalists slash moderators inability to really cut him off i mean you know i guess his strategy is to just keep talking but i think i think my strategy would just to be keep talking right back at him yeah. i mean yeah. which actually might which actually might agitate him even more a bit i wanted to ask you guys about trump's attempt to score points against clinton by invoking her use of the phrase super predators what did you think of that She's been like attacked with that so many times she knows already how to answer. It's like asking her about calling her out for staying with Bill Clinton because he cheated on her. She's so mm-hmm. used to that. She mm-hmm. she ba- basically said, did she say she was sorry that she said that she was no, sorry? No. Well, about the super predator thing, in his accusation, he stumbled and admitted that she'd already apologized for it. He's like, you know, why? Oh, yeah. So exactly. I, got, I mean, I guess, so he like he neutralized his own attack in, in the process of doing it. I didn't know. Kind of so like Tyler have to in say, that email. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, it's it's the same, it's, you know, it's the Republicans of the Party of Lincoln argument, you know, which is like, we're going to try and de- deflect from our absolute odiousness and embrace of, of white nationalism as a party by pointing out the ways in which the Democratic Party does fail on race, because it does. It has many, many mm-hmm. shortcomings on the issue of race, and you, you know, mm-hmm. and you can harp on them and jump on them, but that's not a legitimate criticism coming from people who actively embrace the opposite. So yeah, Black Lives Matter can call her out on that and say, hey, what's the deal? Have you changed? What's what's your new position and understanding of this? Have you evolved? Do you apologize for the 1994 crime bill, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For Donald Trump to do it means nothing. In 19, I believe, 89, there was a Central Park jogger who was you know, brutally assaulted, sexually assaulted in the park. And these five black and Latino teenagers were arrested, coerced into a confession all their rights violated. And before there was even a trial date set, Donald Trump took out a full page ad in New York newspapers calling for their execution, Mm -hmm. calling for the return of the death penalty for children. Yes. A man who does that has no purchase in the realm of judgment to Tanner's point and, and cannot call anybody out on super predator. He is a super predator himself, sexually, racially, and business wise. Mm -hmm. He doesn't pay people who do work for him. Because he doesn't like the work they did. That's not how capitalism works, son. Like, (laughs) you don't get to do that. So on the Hillary side, and I'm seeing people from the left right now who are like wobbly about her, Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. bring up Super Predator a lot. So Trump bringing it up 
He's just trying to agitate those folk, right? That's why he invokes Bernie Sanders' name a lot. Right. And for them, like the Clintons and not just them, the whole Democratic establishment, including many black elected officials in the mid-90s, wanted that crime bill. Neighborhoods were falling apart and people were like, just do something. My block was falling apart. People were shot in my front yard. That's madness. Was it hell, Barrett? It was hell, but (laughs) I did not get shot. (laughs) Despite the fact that I walked down the street thousands of times in my life. And there were other things in my neighborhood besides people getting shot. The point is that that was a terrible thing to say. It's a terrible way of dehumanizing youth and human beings. And to infer that there is some monstrosity going on inside certain people that explains their behavior. That's not, that's not cool. That's not cool at all. I think Hillary Clinton has evolved significantly from that point. Here we are 22 years later and you can look at her policies. You can look at her rhetoric. You can look at her staffing choices and see that she is not the super predator language using person that she was then. And the whole establishment has moved. And so I would just acknowledge that. Yes, that was horrible. It was also a long time ago. She's acknowledged it and she has made progress in a way that I feel very much comfortable with. What is the thinking you think uh, on Trump or Trump's campaign's part as to why they would want him to invoke her use of the word super predator? Because do they think that one time Bernie supporters are suddenly going to be moved or or, or that the people on the left are going to be moved to vote for Trump because he's... No, no, no. I think think it's two things. I think they're they're, one, it gives his people a racial rallying cry Mm -hmm. and they desperately need it Mm -hmm. because these, you know, he has encouraged folks to punch black people in the face at his rallies, right? And promise to pay their legal fees. So you got to do some work to like undo that deplorable image. Mm -hmm. And so it gives the Trump bots out there a little shitty Twitter talking point to be like, but she said, but she said, so he said a hundred horrible things yesterday. Right. She said this one horrible thing 22 years ago, Mm -hmm. but that math doesn't matter. They have a rhetorical point to launch. And then he's trying to depress enthusiasm. I don't even so think that those they told- people vote Jill Stein or don't vote at all. And that's, you know, for the people I'm engaged in a lot of this back and forth on Facebook because I'm trying to like work for Clinton in the way that I work for Obama because I think it's that important. Even though I'm not as excited by her as I was about him, I am pretty excited about her yeah. <laughs> on the merits and I'm definitely unexcited by him. So I think what, what I have seen in the results on the left is that people who I agree with largely invoke super predator as a like, she's bad too. Like, I hate Trump, but I also hate her because she said this thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to vote for Jill Stein or I'm not going to vote at all because I don't like these choices. It's a convenient excuse. Brookell, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to actually say some of the things that Baratunde was saying, but he said them already. But I don't think, (laughs) just to add one little thing, um, I think his advisors probably told him to stay away from Super Predator. And I'm actually surprised that when he said that, because, you know, we all know he doesn't listen, that she didn't bring up Central Park 5. Because I know that's for a lot of us. That's how I met Donald Trump, basically, wow. through that ad. So for a lot That's of a us, good video I re- how I met Donald Trump, I remember yeah. asking Jelani from The New Yorker. Uh, oh, yeah. J- sorry. Jelani Cobb from The New Yorker. Like, yo, did you see when it, when it first came out? Did you see Central Park 5? And that shit took me back like crazy because he's just mm-hmm. a few years older than me. And he's like, I, I, it's on my desk. And actually, I don't know if I can watch it right now. And I remember him saying that. And that, he wasn't the only one about the by Ken Burns and his, and his daughter. And it just brought me back to this place that, oh, my God, that Trump is like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm surprised that she didn't bring that up. Yeah, she went for the housing she might, thing. And she might in the, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the future. I just yeah. it, it also might need to be explained 
in such a in such a way that she doesn't bring it up because it might take too much time I just time gave to her the talking points right here. That okay. was like well, 38 <laughs> seconds. You guys can clip that out from your podcast player and yeah. share it with your friends who are on the fence. I also think <laughs> yeah. we, we may be committing the fallacy of imputing some kind of strategy or thought to what Trump did during the debate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says, oh, you know, there are people on Twitter right now or on, you know, out there saying right now, oh, he's pushing this Miss USA thing to distract from his Cuba treaty violations and his charity investigation and everything right. else. It's like, no, he's, I don't, it, there's no, there's no there's thought. No grand a, yeah. a man who yeah. is up at three o'clock in the morning tweeting horrible things about a woman who dared to insult him from the Miss Universe pageant 20 years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, there's no, there's no three chess moves ahead with this guy. And everyone keeps trying to put a three chess moves because that's what we do with politics. We say, what's the Republicans game? What's their strategy? What's the Democrat strategy? There's no strategy. Yo, this Cuba thing. He just lost the Latino vote, except for that Mexican dude who doesn't like taco trucks. Um, <laughs> how, Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Marco Gutierrez. How, how do we think that's going to play in Florida? Could- oh, he's going to fucking lose Florida. You do not do business in Cuba. You don't say Cuba. Your last name better not be Castro. You cannot fuck around in Cuba and expect them to like have your back. I actually found myself agreeing with Ana Navarro. On CNN and all the things, aside from what she said that was really poignant about fat shaming and her own struggles with, you know, her her own weight throughout her life and how he just that slob just like didn't look in the mirror, I guess, and and, and had the balls to, uh, to fat shame somebody else. But, you know, like she was even talking about it like, yo, this Cuba thing, this guy, he just lost. He just basically lost. Uh, I mean, he probably has to send one of his goons to go and try to like assassinate Castro or something. Cause that's all he's going to. That's the only way he's going to get that Cuban vote back. <laughs> he done fucked up that timing is ill oh, nice that Trump reference. yo that Trump that Trump foundation thing wasn't gonna make him lose any votes yeah. but Cuba oh my bejesus you know the, the idea that he doesn't have a strategy like I get that and I and I for the most part agree with it but I, I don't think that the phrase super predators came out of and you know nowhere I think mm-hmm. it was like just one of those things that it was like maybe in a, on a flash card that he looked at before he came out on stage and he had to invoke it somehow even if he doesn't understand it and even if his commentary about black and Latino neighborhoods would would, would, would seem to cancel out his criticism of of her use of the phrase since what he's describing like a kind of living hell is basically a communities that that are populated by super predators and so obviously he's he's completely incoherent and contradicts himself all the time the one thing that i was kind of amused by and i kind of well this isn't going to happen but i have a fantasy that if in the coming debates whenever he uses the phrase law and order because he really seems to like that uh phrase yes that hillary will like bring out like a pot a pot like a little saucepan and a and a and a, and a wooden spoon and go dong dong after he says it law and order he'll um Go ahead. No, I mean, he also claimed, I mean, he said he was very proud of, he got, let me see, the NRA, the FOP's endorsement, and then he said ICE, which is not true because ICE doesn't support anybody. So he's right. just fucking like, they should have had like a pit. You know, you have a press pit or like an, or like if you're, or if you're going to go like to the Broadway, you have like an orchestra pit. They should have mm-hmm. like fact checkers. You got to like, you can't run debates the way you did back in the day. You got to like, you know, you got to move with the times. They should have yeah. had like PolitiFact and some other people and real time fact checking yeah. and just like, see, and you know, just, right? uh, like just calling quick, the shit. Just a quick producer's uh, fact check note here. It was the ICE, the Border and Customs Patrol Union. That oh, the it. union. Okay. Not ICE itself. But he right. said that. He said for, ICE. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. 
You know, the thing is, I agree with this idea or this desire to have like of the moment fact checking, but I don't know that it's possible. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how a television producer. We're going to Mars at home. Yeah, yeah, no. Elon but, Musk okay. just told us. <laughs> but explain you to me how you do. fact check a no, jackass. But okay, how, do, how, how does it work? How does it do? Is it, is it a scroll on the bottom of okay. the screen? Here, like, so what, here, what is it? Here's what we got. First of all, there is, you got your two candidates at the podiums. There's also a Jumbotron, mm-hmm. a big like 50-inch yes. LED screen. It's not always on TV, but it's on the stage. Okay. And it's like the third debater. Okay. Truth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is the third debater. Okay. And we cut to it every now and then. Okay. Based on the questions that the moderator knows the moderator will ask, you're prepped. Mm-hmm. There's a separate production team, mm-hmm. which is running, mm-hmm. just like ESPN has already done this. They have the stats ready. They've got like, oh, the, and it, it, on a Sunday rainy afternoon, it turns out that there's a 33% chance that this yes. batter will, boom. So we prep and have the the slides ready, have the images ready, have the, the audio or video clip ready. And then Lester's got a bug in his ear, mm-hmm. which is like, uh, we're just going to hold for a second, Donald. Turns out you're full of shit. Let's just cut to the true screen. Okay. Can you respond now? Because you keep telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about. And yeah. I think the American people need to understand mm-hmm. that in this case, we have you on tape saying- yeah. You support the war. Will you respond now to yourself? Because mm-hmm. this yes. is not about me. This is you fighting yeah. you. That's how we do. Okay, this. so you have to initiate a pause because in yeah. sports there are natural pauses. Yeah, it's Someone, like an instant re- like a you know. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the monitor has to initiate review. a pause. Yeah. Another 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 technique could possibly be that each uh, lectern has some sort of light on it, like a like a kind of siren type. I thought you were going to say electro shock. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. And then and how then if someone if. If someone if someone lies, it just like lights up red. Yeah, like and and that would actually be very dis- well, probably pretty distracting for the person who's talking, but also very funny and very and, and, then, and then like later you could you could catalog the list of lies and why they were lies, but just to see Donald Trump standing up there talking and having like this the light flashing, glow. yeah, yeah, um, maybe or it's orange and orange glow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one last question about the about the debate for for everybody, which is uh, why do you think that immigration didn't come up at all? I think they're going to discuss it in the next debate. Yeah, but I talked to Lester right. Holt. I mean, he. No, I, I think it was, that on it was the supposed list. to be. He's, oh, it was on the list. Here, here's my suspicion, because at the end, Lester alluded very directly to the idea that like we had so much more to get to that we weren't able to get to. So I suspect it was on their list, and because Trump is a train wreck, they couldn't get there. Okay. Right. Uh, it will definitely be in the next debate. Okay. Okay. Listeners, weigh in with your thoughts. Welcome, as always, at showaboutrace at gmail and as I like to say every week, please send us voice memos. They're really great. We like to hear your voices. Same email, showaboutrace at gmail.com. So now, time for some recommendations. Raquel, what are you reading or listening to or watching that our listeners need to know about? Hey, I wanted to ask something first from everybody. Yeah, go ahead. Who's your favorite world leader and why? <laughs> <laughs> Gary Johnson. <laughs> Barack Obama. That was easy. Who's my favorite world? Yeah, I would actually answer that as well, even though that was that was cheap of me to just piggyback on Tanner's answer. But I'd I'd, I'd agree. So wait a minute. No, but it can't be. It can't be somebody. It can't be somebody from the United States. (laughs) Wait, now you say that. (laughs) Come on, your favorite world leader. Okay, I like Ellen Johnson Sirleaf from uh, Liberia. Liberia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. she's the she's the first president um, to helm a, a, a country on the continent of Africa. Yeah, but she's done I a like, lot of great things. I like Justin Trudeau because he's hot. I, I like him because he's compassionate and that too <laughs> for ser- <laughs> the, the way he has truly been. Like he is the he's the leader I want, right? Mm-hmm. And and beca- In my the, the way 
<laughs> that he has approached the Syrian crisis. It is so anti-American in the best sense of that word mm-hmm. because it's not stupid and it's not cruel and it's not ugly. It is reasonable and compassionate at the same time. Uh, he is a beautiful person physically, but he is, I think his policies and his approach and his tone are also beautiful. And I wish we could have him. So if Trump does win, I invite Canada to annex the United States. Uh, Trump invited the <laughs> Russians to hack. I will invite a foreign power to do something positive for this country, which is save us from ourselves. Give us the prime minister we deserve, Justin Trudeau. I believe you're that man. Well, why don't we also have Mexico? Man crush. Because Mexico didn't, you know, did, did, did yeah. own most of the, that's, that's the you know, at least Western United States. Yes. Yeah, tr- Trudeau can have the eastern part of the country and Mexico can take the western part. Okay, let's go back to okay. re- recommendations, though. I have two recommendations. Uh, one is a new comic book that's scheduled to uh, debut this month that's called Priya's Mirror, and it demonstrates the trials of three acid attack survivors reimagined as heroes. And if you visit P-R-I-Y-A-S-H-A-K-T-I.com or just go to Show About Race because you'll see it there, too, um, you could download the comic book, Check out, you know, download an app, you know, see a trailer for uh, the book. I think they're, they're going to be adapting, making like a, a film that's going to supposed to debut at the New York Film Festival. But anyway, it's so, 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 so cool. And my second one is uh, last week, Rebecca Traster, Nicole Mason, Linda Sarsour, Michaela Angela Davis and I paneled at the 93 Second Y. It was called We Are All Feminists Now, but the real title of it was something else that you'll have to listen to uh, the recording of it, of the podcast that was just dropped this morning on uh, 92yondemand.org. Or again, you can just go to Show About Race to see what the real title of our show was. I mean, of our of our panel was. And we talked Wait, about you're not everything. Tell us? <laughs> no, you're going to have to you have okay. to check it out. Okay. And we talked about everything from how Flip feminism bait. intersects uh, with race and, and class and binaryism, Beyonce and even Kale. So uh, check it out. It was fresh. It was so, it was like probably the freshest, realest conversation that's ever gone down there. Tanner, recommendations. I just finished reading White Trash, the 400-year-old untold history of class in America by Nancy Eisenberg. I'm reading that. How is that? It's excellent. If you want to understand the basket of deplorables, (laughs) if you want to understand how you talk about getting past the binary, the ways in which white trash have always been considered within whiteness, a separate breed, a degenerate breed, shat upon by elites and and the upper class, really clarifies a lot of what's going on in this election. It's very interesting to think about all of our current privilege mongering and privilege speak when when you understand the ways in which whiteness was really just a hollow shell of promise given to to poor white people in exchange for nothing. Um, (laughs) It's just absolutely fascinating and everyone should read it. Baratunde. I'm going to quote a piece of this article. As the events that led to the First World War unfolded, there were a few brilliant minds who started to warn that something big was wrong, that the web of treaties across Europe could lead to a war, but they were dismissed as hysterical, mad, or fools, as is always the way, and as people who worry about Putin, Brexit, and Trump are dismissed now. Then, after the war to end all wars, we went and had another one. Again, for a historian, it was quite predictable. Lead people to feel they have lost control of their country and destiny. People look for scapegoats. A charismatic leader captures the popular mood and singles out that scapegoat. He talks in rhetoric that has no detail and drums up anger and hatred. Soon the masses start to move as one, without any logic driving their actions, and the whole becomes unstoppable. That was Hitler, but it was also Mussolini, Stalin, 
Putin, Mugabe, and so many more. Mugabe is a very good case in point. He ripped up national anger and hatred towards the landowning white minority who happened to know how to run farms, seized their land to redistribute to the people, and in a great populist move which in the end unraveled the economy and farming industry and left the people in possession of land but starving. See also the famines created by the Soviet Union and the one caused by the Chinese communists last century in which 20 to 40 million people died. This is an article on Medium. It's called History Tells Us What May Happen Next with Brexit and Trump. It is written by Tobias Stone. I trust you all can use your internet devices to find this. I think it's really important and lays out the stakes of what's actually happening, that there are tremendous trends and movements happening that are beyond the United States, though we like to think of ourselves as the end-all be-all. Trump is part of a larger thing happening. And Hillary Clinton is one of the few places in history that I think uh, can prevent some of the more horrible aspects of history we've seen before. Take the shit seriously. Take your vote seriously. Uh, thank you. That sounds great. I'm gonna I'm gonna read that later this evening. In fact, my recommendation is something that's more on the entertainment side. I I started watching Atlanta on FX. I'm only three episodes through it, and I'm I think what I was expecting was something that would be far more familiar and comforting to me, and it's actually made me somewhat uncomfortable in in a way that yeah. I respect and appreciate, and 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 in fact has piqued my interest even more. Have you guys seen it? Have yes. you guys been, have you seen I've also whole? seen the first three episodes. Okay. I love the show. Yeah. It's written well, it's shot beautifully, and mm-hmm. it's you, what you just described, like it is not comfortable. Yeah. And oh. what it exposes is, it, uh, Raquel, you will appreciate this. It reminds me a little bit of American Crime. <gasps> what? I'm binge watching this weekend. It's, it's rainy <laughs> and because, in New York. Uh, because of the respect with which it treats uncomfortable subjects and oh, the layers wow. of society. The parts of society we're not used to seeing on TV, uh, the intersection of identity we're not used to seeing in the entertainment field, mm-hmm. uh, the team behind this show is off to a great star. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes. And again, as I said, my defining it or describing it as uncomfortable is, is in this case, and, and actually in most cases, a, a, a total... It's an acclaim rather than a, than a, rather than a criticism. Yeah. Tanner, have you seen it? I have not uh, because... It's a long story, but we got a free month of HBO now, and so we're doing all the HBO shows in one month, and then we're going to turn that off, and then I can go back to regular TV. But I do, I do plan to watch it. Okay, well, let's talk about it in another episode after everyone everyone has caught up. Wait, is, it, also, is it bingeable, or is it coming out every week? It's coming out every week. And you can okay. watch three episodes now, I guess. I'm yeah. sure, right? So I, I, I think it's bingeable now. Yeah, bingeable I think there's now. been four or five at this point. Oh, okay. Um, and also, so, yo, happy International Podcast Day. Oh. Yay. Yay! Okay, I, I, thought, I was expecting <laughs> like who, much more. more I, no, well, it's, it's like that's just kind of random. I mean, that's not a criticism of you. It's more like who who decided today was national Twitter. National Twitter decided. Day. Twitter oh. decided. I was on there to see if it, you know I went on okay. there just to see if, if Donald Trump said anything crazy, and I and I just saw I was hashtagging, and I thought that you know we're all back together yeah. here, and we're all yeah, you know okay. it's like. That's that's a good My reason. Bad. Yes, I like that. No, 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 no. no I was just, it, it felt kind of arbitrary. You're good, Raquel. You're good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> and speaking of good, that is all for today. Our producer is AC Valdez. Our research assistant and tech maven is Cody Carvel. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Annie Bowers at Panoply. You can see its entire roster of captivating, compulsively listening... Extrajudicial podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to keep the version. You got to see its entire roster of captivating, compulsively listenable podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply. 
You can find links to the things we've discussed today on our website, showaboutrace.com. You can follow along with the conversation or join it yourself on Facebook or Twitter at showaboutrace. Or lastly, you can email us directly at showaboutrace at gmail.com. In the meantime, thanks so much for joining our national conversation about conversations about race. On behalf of Baratunde Thurston, Tanner Colby, and Raquel Zepeda, I'm Anna Holmes. (laughs) 